Iya Budu Vudit Pickup. And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Russian for, and I will drive a pickup truck in honor of me watching the Hunt for Red October recently. And I think you Rob, you also. No, I watched a DVD that oh, I owned. No, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, my, oh, my, my dude. God. The 4K transfer is fantastic. Uh, that movie rules, uh, what, by the way. It super does. Where did you find this? Uh, so the 4K <laughs> is a new thing. Uh, like that came uh-huh. out in the last couple weeks. Um, I I just got the Steelbook at Best Buy. I think that's maybe the only way you can get the 4K. It's just being okay. given this collector's treatment. Uh, McTiernan has a commentary on it. It's fine. Uh, but it's just a really good transfer. The thing that really struck me was uh, not only a great sub movie, but a great sub movie at like showing where things are in relation to each other. They sort of collapse the visual distance between the subs. And mm-hmm. so you always have a sense for what's happening in the action. And it makes those sub-sequences and the combat just feel like so much more vivid. Uh, I'd forgotten how awesome that movie was. It's great. It also has, uh, gosh, one of my favorite scenes is like no other movie. I've never seen any other movie do this, but the way they handle um, the transition between Russian and English for the the Russian speaking mm-hmm. characters yeah. where they it's a guy reading a Bible quote and they zoom in on his mouth as he's reading it in Russian. And then they stop and then he starts speaking in English and they zoom back out. And now we're speaking in English. It's such an amazing like filmic touch. I absolutely love it. Um, but uh, also that phrase is in honor of Danny finally so- solving his uh, car problem. How are you, Danny O'Dwyer? Oh. <laughs> oh, that's what the re- reference was. Yeah, I yeah. see it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I did not watch The Hunt for Red October this uh, week, lost. unlike you. For a second, I thought we were in our patron exclusive episode, and we'd taken a bit of a <laughs> bit of a shift from, uh, from road vehicles to water ones. Uh, but no, I did. I did uh, finally take the the plunge and buy a new car. I got rid rid of my methmobile and um, took the plunge on a Jeep Wrangler. So I'm going to be hopefully enjoying some fun overlanding excursions in that over the next couple of weeks and months although i kind of want to get a move on because winter is going to start kicking up in the sierras soon so whatever man you got tires you got tires for days it's true i got an extra one stuck on the back full size (laughs) well hopefully no uh uh, wobbles follow you uh, no that's true i did on the rental i had had a real wobble so hopefully this one's but i have heard the bears up in the sierras love the meth uh, so, you know, I, I do worry a little bit that Yogi is just going to drive off with your car and uh, go and go and use that to uh, deliver his next shipment around you up to Yosemite. Yeah. How did I feel about dildos? That might, that might seal the deal. Oh, you know, you know, Yogi's a freak. Uh, that is Rob Zachney, who uh, was out last week because um, he was working for charity. Rob, uh, is the is the the donations are still open there? Yeah, uh, so if you go to savepoint.stream, you can still see the donation page we have for the SavePoint event we ran uh, this year on behalf of the National Bailout. Every year uh, over at Waypoint, we uh, do a charity marathon uh, for some cause that is meaningful to us and uh, relevant in the moment. Uh, or especially relevant in the moment. And so this year we're doing the National Bailout, uh, which is a uh, black-led collective that focuses on getting uh, black caregivers released from pretrial detention, but it is also a uh, prison and police abolitionist group. Uh, So we did about five days of streaming uh, on their behalf, and we raised about $146,000. Oh, my gosh. Donations are still open, so that number keeps ticking up uh, a little bit. 
And uh, it was a great time. We played a lot of games. I actually introduced one of my coworkers to um, the PC version of Motorsport Manager. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun trip down memory lane. Uh, because if you recall, that like it kind of traps in amber, I want to say, like the 2016 season. Mm. And so it's just funny seeing the old pre-turbo hybrid cars, uh, you know, hanging out there, just very old bodywork designs where the, the blown diffusers uh, sticking out the back. <laughs> Um, and then just remembering all the uh, the cast of characters uh, that was that was part of the show back then. But that game that game's fun, uh, and it was a great stream, and it was really heartening that we were able to make it work uh, despite not having the capacity to do a studio show this year due yeah. to uh, COVID. Yeah, I um I also inadvertently counterprogrammed your charity stream with my own <laughs> this weekend on Sunday. Uh, I played some Microsoft Flight Simulator with one uh, Vinny Caravella from Giant Bomb, um, and uh, donations are also still open for that as well. Uh, you can uh, donate to the uh, National Multiple Sclerosis Society uh, at bikingwhiteguy.com. Usually I do it in tandem with an actual bike ride, which was supposed to happen uh, this weekend, uh, nice. but because of COVID, that is not happening. Um, but uh, you can did watch they, Did they cancel Vinny the whole ride? yes. Yeah, oh, that's a shame. So, uh, but you can watch Vinny and I uh, goof around with airplanes uh, um, over should at. We, should uh, this is this is also the uh, annual time where we let people know that you are the blinking white guy who have just started <laughs> listening to the podcast yeah. at the start of this. Season. I should also explain the whole white guy part of that too. Yes, uh, yes, that's the it's the, really the only time that I ever acknowledge the blinking white guy meme. Yes, uh, because meme. I do it for good. Yes, exactly. You you turn you turn what what is weird <laughs> and forever <laughs> into something uh, uh, beautiful and charitable. Um, great. Now now not only do I feel like a piece of shit for not watching the hunt for Red October, but also <laughs> the only part of the crew that didn't do a charity drive this weekend. Thanks, guys. I guess I know what I'm doing this weekend. Charity hunt for Red October. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean look. You bought a Jeep Wrangler, and if that's not making the world a better place, then frankly, I'm at a loss. I should have waited for the electric one, at least. No. Uh, if you are new to the podcast, a very warm welcome, and if you're new to Formula One itself, we uh, we have an episode for you. Uh, we have a preseason primer episode, number 96, uh, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explain how the sport works and who everybody is. Also, we are supported... Uh, by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift f1 where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons covering racing documentaries and films f1 video games primers for other racing series and a lot of weird things so if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff uh, head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 or click the link in the show notes what do we have going on this month danny Ole, 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 Senna, Senna. We're finally taking the plunge uh, on a movie that we have kind of, I wouldn't say avoided, but we've had in a pocket this whole time. The uh, fantastic uh, biopic documentary Senna, uh, created by many of the creative direction or creative minds behind uh, what would eventually go on to do Drive to Survive. Um, one of the best uh, motorsport documentaries, one of the best sport documentaries, um, I would say, uh, made certainly in the modern era. Um, I believe it was also an Oscar-nominated film, I want to say. Um, truly great th- uh, great movie. If you are on Netflix, you can get access to it 
for free. It is also available to rent on Amazon and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but if you want to watch or, sorry, listen to our Patreon, patron-exclusive podcast, go to patreon.com slash shiftf1 and sign up uh, to help support the show and get access to not just that podcast, but every one we've recorded over the past couple of years. And there's a bunch of them there. A lot of good ones. A lot of short ones, a lot of long ones, a lot of primers, a lot of movies, loads of stuff. Check it out. Taste tests of Daniel Ricardo's beer. Although we, you made that public, right? We did. He was. Tw- uh, did you get tagged on a lot of those photographs? He was on Instagram taking yeah. pictures of Blue Coast, and there's like whole crates of it. Yeah, whatever, man. God, they still God ship to the where. U.S. So I know. So we got to go to Nice. If you know a guy, they do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> My contact in the what was it, Kansas hey, plant? Hey, mm, mm. I hope Who that person still has a job. Worked. Yeah, too much paper trail, Drew. What if it was Paul Reichert? Oh, yeah, he is a mailman. That's true. Or was a mailman. I think he sells baseball cards on eBay now. People are going to be very confused about the references in this podcast already. Yeah, well. um, Bring it back to racing. Yes, we shall. Uh, Before we get to the upcoming race, however, there is a little bit of news. News. Um, But uh, before we even get to that, I would like to know uh, Rob's thoughts on the breaking news of last week sebastian fettel um in at racing point slash aston martin sergio perez out thoughts mr zachney so i think on balance this just seems indefensible to me uh in terms of like recent body of work i just don't i don't see it um i think that there's a lot of there's there's a lot of things you can give Vettel for the fact that it is possible that that Ferrari situation has been worse in ways that are not apparent to those of us on the outside of it than we can really like fathom watching this on TV, right? Like it is possible that that is a brutally challenging car to drive with a lot of inconsistencies that have made him uh, look like a bit of a clown in places that's possible uh it's it's possible he has been struggling mightily uh with a situation that is not of his making and we should have a little more regard for his form as a driver um with with that in mind but i'm skeptical that that's the case because even when ferrari appeared to have a very good car the last uh two years ago they appeared to have a very good car last year they also appeared to have a totally solid car um, you know, and they hadn't yet been forced to amend their engine design. And there was a chance both those years for Ferrari to make a real challenge of it. I think two years ago, there was a golden opportunity for them to break the Mercedes streak and for Seb to, uh, really take the fight to Hamilton. And that chance was thrown away by weird lapses of concentration uh, from Vettel in Germany or just discipline uh, as a driver or judgment when overtaking like in like at Japan. And I think when you take all of that together, plus the fact that when faced with this kind of adversity, it all seemed to make Vettel get much worse. So first one bad thing would happen and then a series of bad things would happen. Yeah, that to me is a terrifying sign if I am a middle of the pack team trying to break into that like top three uh, stratosphere, right? Because like formula one can like, you will have streaks of just bad luck, misfortune, 
it is a sport that requires resilience. I think one of the things that's contributed to Hamilton being so dominant over these years, uh, even years where their form looked a little bit mortal or he was facing a little bit more of a challenge from his uh, teammates, I think the thing about Vettel, uh, about Hamilton, for instance, is that he is able to deal with, you know, disappointing races or even, you know, disappointing months in the F1 calendar and come out of it and rebound and come out looking strong. Vettel seems like a guy who goes into tailspins. And I think if I'm looking to make that leap up, that's not what I'm looking for in a driver. I don't know if Perez is that either. Um, Perez seems to... Perez has been mostly very consistent. I think he tends to overperform his car. Uh, that being said, I think he's also somebody who occasionally he's been given the benefit of the doubt, uh, in part because he has a lot of sponsor backing. Um, he has also been thrown to you know terrible fits of temper, I think, his relationship with Ocon was abysmal, and I don't think that was, you know, I don't think that was entirely Ocon's or even mostly Ocon's fault. Uh, so I, I can understand wanting to move on from Perez, maybe, um, especially since, as people who have written to us have pointed out, Stroll does appear now to have become a net value add uh, for the team, consistently, uh, you know, outperform like consistently gaining places uh, during races, having really great mm. uh, Sunday form. So like, I think it's, it's defensible to maybe want to move on from Perez. Uh, I think Vettel being that, that guy is a big gamble. You are, you are really betting against a lot of recent track record um, and hoping that that can all somehow be put down to the fact that Ferrari is a political and technical mess. And if you just get Vettel into a different environment, uh, he'll be good to go. I am not sure there's much in his biography that makes me think that that is a good bet. Um, and so I, I would not be very surprised if we see this history repeat in some really awkward ways. Um, now with the added like gas on the fire of the boss's son is looking pretty racy. Uh, and so if Vettel is also a planning to alight there and be the number one, I think that could also get pretty, uh, pretty harrowing. Yeah. Yeah. And the, um, I don't know how much pressure this adds for a driver necessarily, but certainly the, you got to think like Lauren Stroll, uh, with his new Aston Martin, uh, branding, trying to get a lot of sponsors to come in. Uh, isn't it great that we now have a four time world champion? Also pairing, uh, <laughs> Lance. Um, yeah, that, that sure would be unfortunate if you got a lot of sponsors on board for for Sebastian Vettel and then uh, he starts spinning his tires the same way he did at Ferrari. That would be uh, that would be bad, especially if you you know if that was your main reason for dumping Sergio Perez. But um, yeah, remain all remains to be seen, I guess. Um, also, uh, the performance of Racing Point remains to be seen in Sochi. They are trying to get an upgrade package uh, ready, but uh, in an article from Autosport.com, seems like they're kind of scrambling um, to to get to fit that in because uh, their cars were kind of broken uh, in the last race. Uh, Ferrari also planning some minor upgrades. Don't expect a whole lot uh, from those, though. Um, 
And uh, something else is coming to Sochi, Danny. Yeah, a lot of them, in fact. 30,000 fans, or, you know, they're hoping, apparently, 30,000 fans. Um, they sold a bunch of tickets to Sochi. Um, the Russian government, obviously, being a bit less... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to put this. They don't seem to think COVID's such a big deal, and that's obviously um, reflected in, in some of the population there, and also... Uh, they have decided to, I guess, open up Sochi, which in and of itself, I mean, Sochi just continues to be this, we'll get into it in the track walk, but it's just such a, it's a circuit that probably shouldn't have ever happened. It's steeped in the type of, um, uh, I don't know, like, what's the word? Bernie Eccleston will go, we'll build a track if there's money there. Um, uh, but we'll get to it on the track walk. Uh, but any, in any case, uh, reporting here from caspiannews.com. I can safely say it's the first time I've landed on this one. Um, uh, saying Most reputable that, source. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with local and national authorities, as well as International uh, Automobile Federation, FIA to us, um, having diligently worked to react to global changes due to the coronavirus pandemic and put in place regulations designed to prevent the spread of COVID-19, organizers of the Russian Grand Prix 2020 in Sochi are hoping that the 30,000 Formula One fans uh, will be able to attend the event in person. 70, sorry, seven <laughs> security checkpoints will be built into the security perimeter uh, for the F1 spectators and participants during the Grand Prix, healthcare professionals will work at each of these points. Um, so this is outside of the other uh, regular bubbles that we have had for the teams, had for the drivers, all that have for the press, all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, they will be allowing people in. I cannot seem to get an idea of whether this is 30,000 people on Sunday, 30,000 tickets have been sold, I think is what it is. Those tickets Typically, will likely be those are weekend. aggregate, like weekend okay. numbers, yeah. Yeah, so we'll have, you know, a certain amount on practice, a certain amount on uh, quality day, and a certain amount uh, on on race day itself. Um, we had, was it something like 3,000 at the Tuscan Grand Prix? Um, yeah, there was a handful. Out. Yeah, and what myself and Drew were talking previously about in the insane MotoGP series we are currently enjoying um, at the last track. It wasn't... Um, um, no. Do you remember what the last... Yeah, it was Mizano. Was? It was Mizano. They had yeah. um, a decent amount of fans there too. So it is happening. And obviously, we've watched an NFL over the past week. Some um, some folks are leaving people in uh, with masks or without masks or whatever. So we're starting to see those loosening, but... Um, yeah, it should be interesting to see that many people watch maybe one of the most boring circuits on the calendar. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later on. We'll probably get to see some crashes. Well, if Daniel Kvyat's there, there's always a chance. He has his own, uh, he has his own <laughs> stand there, which he has crashed in Sebastian Vettel in front of numerous times. So who knows? Maybe some, maybe some rubber kisses this weekend. Uh, speaking of grease and palms... Rob, uh, what's up with McLaren? Yeah, uh, so there's there's an interesting story, an interesting piece of analysis uh, from Autosport this week. Uh, McLaren put its uh, put its headquarters up for sale. Uh, they they are they're selling the McLaren Technology Center, uh, which seemed maybe alarming. I think earlier uh, the season on the show we talked about how. 
McLaren were also uh, using the collection of historic cars to collateralize a major mm. loan uh, oh, they were yeah. putting forward. And so there were a lot of things this team has been doing to stabilize its finances. Uh, I want to say that they were in an alarming situation when COVID hit. Um, and so they had to do a lot of sort of uh, quick measures to stabilize uh, their financial outlook. But I just found the thinking around the uh, sale of the uh, technology center being kind of interesting. Autosport talked to McLaren Group uh, executive chairman Paul Wash, uh, who explained that when he was sort of working through the company's assets and obligations, uh, he noted that they own uh, they own the buildings they operate from. And uh, that is apparently unusual these days because what and this is kind of what interests me so much of what corporations do now is they seek profit with their capital uh and so if 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 you have an asset and it's just appreciated at a normal level the idea now seems to be that you sell that asset or you lease it back to yourself you sell it to somebody so and you strange. lease it back to to yourself uh which is what McLaren is talking about and then you go and you take the proceeds from that sale and you invest it and you will get a better return on that than you will from the appreciation of the land itself, the facility of itself. Uh, and so, like, the idea is always to uh, see anything that is basically underperforming your rate of return, uh, the rate of return you get on the market. And then you figure out a way to turn that into cash on hand and you pour it into the market. Uh, but Zach Rob, Brown, doesn't that create a situation where these companies have no fixed assets in the event that perhaps they run into financial this trouble? This is the thing. This is the thing. So Zach Brown uh, said, why have all this money tied up in real estate? We're not a real estate company. We're a racing team and an automotive company. And that's Rainy the start day, of the journey Zach. to start cleaning up the balance sheet. And... Uh, I do think, like, I see the point, but yeah, I think I'm conservative in a similar way to you, Danny. Like, mm. this isn't like you were speculating on some real estate lands. Like, the, the notion that, why are we a real estate company? Dude, if you live in it, it ain't real estate. It's your house, right? <laughs> like, if you are fabricating from it, it is not real estate. It's your factory. I mean, the uh, civilian, the civilian equ equivalent is taking all of your money out of savings and, like, buying stocks <laughs> you yeah know, it's like yeah i don't know i don't so, know it, it, it seems like the type of like hyper capitalism that always makes me a little bit like like they didn't teach us that in business well i i think to an extent i think what this also reflects is that what the last few financial crises have shown is that you might as well pour your money into the market because money in the market will get bailed out if you yeah, are somebody yeah, who yeah. uh like has if your money is tied up in your business bit more of a crapshoot as to whether you're going to get rescued. Uh, but if your money is in the market, uh, it will probably be protected uh, either through stabilizers being put in whatever companies you invested in or uh, organizations like the Fed making credit available at incredibly low rates. Yeah. So I, I, I do see why it operates this way. But yeah, I, I do kind of also feel like it is a little bit strange to see all these companies looking for assets that they can liquidate and put into the market, uh, which seems to be operating on real cycles of volatility. 
uh, mm. let us say. And in the meantime, now you no longer really own your your home, your headquarters. Um, and so I am curious. And readers can probably write in because I'm sure somebody uh, is familiar with the best practices and current thinking uh, around the business world these days. Uh, but to me, it, it does sort of seem like one of those decisions that makes a lot of sense uh, in the short term. But at some point, uh, that lease will be up. And then you might have some weird situations uh, develop. If it's a 100-year lease, that's probably somebody else's problem to, to fix. In 100 years, what, is the odds, what are the odds that factory is still like relevant for anything anymore? I don't know. Uh, but I, just, I do find it a really interesting notion uh, that you have Zach Brown there saying, like, looking at McLaren-owned buildings where they produce their cars, they do their research, et cetera, and being like, that's just real estate. We got to get out of that. Uh, that's funny to me. Does have that sweet pool? It does. Um, I don't think you can swim in it. You probably I mean, could. I'm, I'm sure you Didn't... can physically swim in it. I don't think you'd want to swim in it. <laughs> Doesn't it like cool their uh, wind tunnel or something? Yeah. I think it has a purpose, like a like a nuclear power plant's cooling pond. Like it's, I think it's similar. Uh, well, speaking of uh, race and business deals, uh, there will be a new nascar team next season um started by uh nascar driver denny hamlin um and they are getting bubba wallace to drive but uh the the lead here is the uh the the co-investor of the team star of chaos in the windy city for the super nintendo that's right michael jordan launching an NASCAR team. Uh this will be you fun. Be I mean there are... it, I hope, right? Cuz like his record think as a no. manager. Mm, <laughs> I don't think you want my I don't think you want MJ anywhere near uh the decision making for the team. How many sports? This guy just loves sports. Anything. I'll try yeah. it. Michael rise the butts. Sure. Well, I think so it seems like a smart move because uh Bubba was a weird fit for Richard Petty, right? Richard Petty's a guy mm-hmm. who had a long history of um, dubious statements uh, when it came. I'm, I'm not speaking in code here. Like, I have not looked up, like, his body of work when it comes to racially coded language. But Richard Petty was, even by NASCAR standards, I, I gather, not viewed as one of the more progressive minds or team owners uh, in the sport. Racing legend, Absolutely also implicated in a lot of the culture that kind of made NASCAR a toxic and exclusionary place. And that sort of came to a head where you had Richard Petty going out there to show solidarity with Bubba. And that was significant because it's Richard Petty, right? Like he was sort of uh, making his piece there, but also Mm. there was the critique that, Hey, like Richard Petty can drape his armor on Bubba Wallace, like, you know, all he wants. Um, But that doesn't, that doesn't, make it fine right like that that doesn't that shouldn't obscure uh where he's been in all this so i understand like how it made a lot of sense to get bubba wallace uh you know to a different team uh to a team owned by a black man and it's a way for mj to sort of belatedly flirt with uh the kind of activism that he was really hesitant to engage with as a player so it makes a lot of sense on the surface um i am just kind of curious like what the 
what the backing is for the team, uh, what the overall plan for it is. I don't know what I don't know what the I don't know what it takes to run a NASCAR team, right? Like yeah. with with F one, any new player, you're like unless you've got billions like just you know, of assets behind you, it is tough to break in because you will be burning cash year after year after year in like eye watering amounts. I don't know if NASCAR is that way, given that their spec series that tends to be a little like a lot less technologically sophisticated than, than F1. Uh, maybe it's a much easier thing to to invest in than even like Letterman's backing for uh, IndyCar teams over the years. Yeah, I've got some more details here from uh, the NASCAR website. Uh, Jordan will be the majority owner of the team. It's a single car team and uh, Denny Hamlin will oh. be the minority owner. owner. Um, and uh, apparently... Michael Jordan's a NASCAR fan. He says, growing up in North Carolina, my parents would take my brothers, sisters, and me to races, and I've been a NASCAR fan my whole life. The opportunity to own my own racing team in partnership with my friend Denny Hamlin and to have Bubba Wallace driving for us is very exciting for me. Historically, NASCAR has struggled with diversity. It's an understatement. And uh, there have been few black owners. The timing seemed perfect as NASCAR is evolving and embracing social change more and more. In addition to the recent commitment and donations I have made to combat systemic racism, I see this as a chance to educate a new audience and open more opportunities for black people in racing. Uh, he also is the current owner of uh, the Charlotte Hornets. So, Wow. He, that yeah, is not going well. Team. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there you go. Wallace has made 105 career starts, um, all of them with uh, Richard Petty Motorsports. Five mm-hmm. top 10 finishes this year, including a fifth place run in the regular season finale at Daytona International Speedway. Uh, also, the site of his best career finish, uh, runner-up in the 2018 Daytona 500. Mm. Best of luck, everyone, and uh, best of luck to us as we prepare for Sochi, Danny. Sochi, the jewel of the Caspian, Caspian Sea, sea I guess. Sea. Is that where we're going? Sea. Yeah. Black Sea. Black Sea, you're right. Is it? I don't know. I should know more. I'm sorry. I should. These track walks, I don't go further than the track. I just look. I'm so detailed on the track itself. I don't stop to look around. The world doesn't exist outside of it. And see, I know. But we're here at the Olympic, uh, the, well, the host, the site of the 2014 Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games. And uh, the track itself here at the Sochi Autodrome, as it's known, um, uh, is uh, is is in in the actual uh, Olympic Park itself, or in the Olympic Village, or the site of where it was. Um, it's one of a number of structures that are still were built to. Well, I guess there were structures within the Olympic Village that were built to extend past the actual Olympics themselves. Um, and then this was built um, afterwards in a sort of a, um, in a, to to add something else to this. Um, I guess. What are we going to do with this? Yeah, Should we make it into a racetrack? Sure, let's build one here. As we've already built an Olympic village, why not? Um, Sochi is kind of, from what I gather, a tourist hotspot for Russians who want to get to the coast in the summertime. Apparently, it's quite uh, beautiful. I have, okay, um, go ahead. In my, uh, my Sochi weather on Google here, it also lists um, people also ask. Uh, oh, okay. One of them is, what is the warmest city in Russia? Is Sochi mm-hmm. tropical? And the third, uh, does Russia have palm trees? So yeah, I think <laughs> it is a vacation spot. Wow. So that's On the Black uh, Sea. People who really want that beautiful uh, uh, desert island vibe, but but still being able to speak Russian. I like it. Um, 
yeah, it's a it's a funny track. It's flat as a pancake. Um, it's quite long. It's five point eight five kilometers, fifth longest on uh, the 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 calendar, and one of the longest of the newer breed of tracks that we've had added too. Fast average speed here, two hundred and twelve kilometers an hour. It is clockwise. Twelve right handers, eight left handers. And most of them you can't overtake on. There's a lot of these 90 degree little, t- especially in the second sector, a lot of these 90 degree little, it almost, it feels like a street circuit. Like it's not because it was built, you know, in the middle of nowhere, effectively. I mean, it was built around some structures, but it, it it's flatness and it's it's the angles and also just the sort of like lack of runoff. Lots of these like, you know, it's it's like a boring Monaco. It's kind None of, of the straights are straight, so you're still going to the... need aerodynamics to navigate even the fast parts of the sector. So you're yeah. not going to get those like nice attack zones that DRS will actually do anything in. Um, it's very strange. Yeah, the two DRS zones are on these kind of these straights that have these little these long, but not particularly tight corners. Just long, you know. It's almost. A, I saw one of the the, the videos I watched. Uh, um, somebody referred to it as almost like an inconvenience to the driver. There's nothing <laughs> to it in terms of skill. Um, there are effectively two overtaking zones on this track. The first is turn two, which is effectively the first turn. Turn one is just a sort of this very slow uh, 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 drifting to the right that happens on the start finish straight or after it. Um, turn two is a heartbreaking zone into this uh, odd sort of semicircle left turn that they take which is where uh, Vettel got tapped the second time that is a fun had. turn I will say it is like it, it is fun. Yeah. does it generate good racing uh, actually it's wide enough that I see people like get chancy there which is which is nice yeah. uh, people like they don't make the move at turn two and they're like fuck it I'll try it somewhere through three and into four and, and they so, did last year. Do you remember it was a uh, Grosjean, uh, Giovinazzi, and somebody else? Ricardo, I think it was, went went three into two uh, oh, at that turn. And uh, I think Gio was the only one that actually got a, got out of that one. I think Grosjean crashed out when we had a safety car early last year. Um, yeah, like Rob said, at that turn four. So basically, turn two is one of them, and then the other one is the other end of the DRS straight, uh, which is turn thirteen, um, kind of at the start of sector three. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Like it's uh it's it's you need to have good exits coming out of a lot of these turns before the straights. Um there's DRS there, but it's not a gimme. Um, you know, there's a lot of late braking going on here. Uh and yeah. Aside from when we get crashes, because here when you get crashes, you tend to get safety cars with the way the walls are. Um you, you don't often get a lot. So if we have some crashes here we might have some interesting tire strategy problems also gets pretty hot there i mean the grip is pretty good the surface i think the tires like it but it does get hot so depending on how the tires are feeling that weekend that might play into strategy um i hate poo-pooing a race before it comes up because you never know you never know but uh i would be cautiously pessimistic about this one and then if something fun happens then it's all been a bonus (laughs) Well, uh, not a lot of fun happening in the weather, it looks like. Pretty even temperatures across the weekend, um, about 80 degrees Fahrenheit, 26 Celsius uh, for both days. Uh, maybe a little hotter on race day. Um, okay. That's, sorry, both days, meaning qualifying day and race day. Yeah, 83 uh, versus 28. Um, wind, not too bad. Looks like uh, 14 kilometers an hour or nine miles an hour out of the south uh, on race day a little lighter on qualifying day and uh virtually no precipitation 
maybe mm. like 15% on qualifying day, but that's might, would only lead to maybe a, uh, a wet track. Right. Um, this is the weekend yeah. they usually do it as well. This is another one that lands when it should have landed. Um, end of September is usually when Sochi's on. Um, in the driver standings going into Sochi, we have Lewis Hamilton on top with 190 points. His teammate Valtteri Bottas behind in second with 135. Max Verstappen is in third with 110. Then we've got Lando Norris and uh, in fourth, Alex Albon in fifth, separated by just two points, 65 to 63. Lance Stroll in sixth with 57. Daniel Ricciardo with 53. Charles Leclerc has 49. Sergio Perez with 44. Pierre Gasly just behind with 43 in 10th place. Carlos Sainz with 41. Esteban Ocon with 30. Sebastian Vettel with 17. Yikes. Daniel Kvyat, hometown boy, has uh, 10 points. He's in 14th place. Nico Hulkenberg holding strong in 15th with 6. Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi have 2 points. Kevin Magnussen has 1. And then we have Nicholas Latifi, George Russell, and Roman Grosjean uh, with no points. In the constructor standings, Mercedes is on top with 325. Red Bull is in second. Pretty solid second with 173. McLaren mm. is in third with 106. Racing Point in fourth with 92. Renault uh, in fifth with 83. There's Ferrari in sixth place with 66 <laughs> points. Six, six, uh, six. Points of the Beast. <laughs> Alpha Tauri <laughs> in seventh with uh, 53 points. Alpha Romeo in eighth with four. Gene Haas in team with one. And Williams still with the zero. Still. So, so close last time. So close. Yes. I know. Uh, if you'd like to join our uh, official fantasy league, you can do so with the link in the show notes. Uh, you can also send us an email at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or shift, uh, I'm sorry, f1.cool slash emails. Both of those work. They both go to the same place. Uh, what do we got this week in terms of emails, Danny? I, I, I spoiled the broth. Um, we got inundated with emails about one thing <laughs> so <laughs> so i have managed to scratch we usually usually i have to like cut emails like like no one's business we get so many emails thank you so much to everyone who sends them in this week they were almost all corrections for uh formula dad uh, that we did last week where we went through <laughs> the list of all the drivers who have children um i picked the best email out of the bunch for it this one's uh from rachel thank you so much rachel she says hi guys don't normally email into podcasts but here we go you missed the torpedo out of your dad's driver's list sorry dad driver's list this is of course daniel kubiash the uh the russian driver who will be getting lots of work uh, and lots of fans this weekend um baby penelope was born a few hours before he got his podium last year um uh, her mum's uh, Kelly PK, yes, daughter of Nelson PK, and they broke up a few months later. Kvyat then posted a pretty tragic photo on Insta of him alone at Christmas with a bottle of vodka. <laughs> oh my god! I am desperately, like, I am frantically Googling trying to pull up this picture. This picture, it's like, <laughs> like, you know when you laugh because it's so sad? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. That's awful. The poor guy. Anyway, I'll leave you with that image. Keep it up. Best wishes, Rachel Hassan. Thank you, Rachel. Um, yes, of course, we went through all the dads last week. Um, and I did uh, I did forget to mention, or I did not know, that uh, Dan- Danny Kvyat is, in fact, Daddy Kvyat. Uh, to a beautiful, bouncing baby bottle of vodka. Um, any, any, any luck there, Rob? <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm so crushed that, um, 
one of the most temperamental uh, drivers in F1 and an Instagram model uh, couldn't make it work. Um, I'm really, I'm really astonished. Those two extremely young people in businesses that have you traveling year round. I mean, young yeah, he, by us standards, man. Is he? Yeah, I guess he's 26. He's not that young. Yeah, remember this is the this is the like warping thing about drivers starting so young in F1, where like you can be an old F1 driver and you're still basically like a young person. Right. And so you're like, boy, that guy isn't very mature. And like, could it possibly be because the guy's still several years away from being 30? <laughs> it's it's wild that uh, Kevin Magnuson's only a year older than him. But I feel like they're like, I don't know why. I just, I could ask, I guess he's just such a head case when he wants to be. That I mean, <laughs> I yeah, know. just he had more of a firebrand style. Uh, whereas yeah. I think Magnuson's got sort of that classic Scandinavian, like, like frostiness uh, to him, and his style is very pragmatic and defensive. I'm waiting to see if Drew is hitting the button on a soundboard. <laughs> We're talking. No, about no, no. <laughs> Don't have it. Okay, okay. Well, we'll leave that unsaid. Uh, I'll take the I was other email as well. Driver ages. Oh, you want me to, oh, you you want me to grab this one about uh, F1 TV? Yeah, do you want to do this? Thank yeah, you. Sure. Uh, F1 TV, alt commentary. Nick Papel writes, being an F1 TV subscriber, I find myself playing around with the various shows, cameras, and other features. They're really good. Uh, for the Tuscan GP, I found myself watching the entire race on the Pit Lane channel. The amount of information displayed is very nice, but more importantly, the commentary team of Alex Jacques, pronounced okay, Jakes. Alex Jakes, and Alex Brundle, LMP2 driver and son of Martin himself, really won me over. Uh, rarely do they wander off topic like our lovable friends at Sky, but they also have the additional perk of being the F2 and F3 commentators as well. This allows them to reference previous events of the weekend and predict action on track. Have you guys given the Pit Lane channel a few race watches? What do you think of Team Alex? I'd recommend anyone getting bored of Crofty and Martin to give them a shot. Uh, I think the next level we need to unlock for this is being able to listen to that call over the main feed, uh, which I think F, like for uh, footballs, um, I think football will let you do that, where you can just listen right. to the live radio feed. Um, North American football, their Game Pass thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, I have listened to the Pit Lane channel. I think I talked oh, yeah? about it a few weeks ago. And it is very, uh, very well informed. It is a little bit more of the, um, what's the way to put this? Uh, the grad school uh, channel for, right. for watching <laughs> F1, perhaps. Uh, it is very informed. The thing I don't like about it is you really are confined to like pit lane and the like driver data type stuff. And so you, you miss a little bit of the show. Uh, increasingly, as you get further in F1, you realize like you probably are better off just staring at that stuff than seeing any of the cars racing around track. But that's not what I want. Uh, so, so what are you looking at on the pit lane feed? Uh, when I've watched it, it does tend to be. Uh, the cameras up and down the pit lane, uh, the pit box cams, uh, etc. Uh, but yeah, like I haven't seen much outside of. I haven't watched a full race, but like when I've when I've watched it, it's it's basically been uh, like views from uh, the the pits and uh, they've the, got the a lot of data there. on there, yeah. which allows them to kind of put two two feeds side by side. So that I think they have the program feed, like the normal the normal race feed, up for a lot of it. Okay. Uh, but they do, uh, I think, have the ability to like switch to stuff if if they want to. But they do um, a wraparound like, with infographics, right? Where it's like, 
the feed is inset in like a lot of um, the data. Yeah, stuff. it's like yeah, yeah oh, timing yeah. and where the cars are. Uh, I don't actually know if they have the track map on there all the time, but it's, <laughs> it's stuff like map. that. Yeah, uh, I ha- also have not watched an entire race this way. Sometimes when I need to go back and look at something, I'll I'll go back to that because um, they are they are more well informed. Um, I, I think it. Yeah, I, I don't know if like I'm ready to say that like they should be the main guys because like mm. you know, Crofty and Martin Brundle like they. Uh, Crofty's bored they, they, is the issue. Crofty is visibly bored with a lot of <laughs> F1 these days, um, and I think that is that's becoming a problem. Like his attention, I can recognize it and I sympathize. His attention is wandering during races, uh, and there's a lot of times where like Brundle is like sort of. Uh, Soto voice correcting and like like clean, doing cleanup on was last week, Crofty's wasn't commentary a, yeah, throughout the season. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, um, it's, it's isn't it so? It's, isn't it? Sorry, go on. I was just gonna say it's it's funny hearing Alex Brundle because he sounds just like his one hundred percent. Even it's the way so like he he intros him, he's like, uh, "We're here with Alex Brundle," and he just says something. He's like, "Hello, everybody!" Like it's just exactly yeah. the same. It, the I way am. he like yeah he pauses in sentences where he'll finish a sentence and talk about and then into you know it's 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 always funny when like yes hello. like who becomes a commentator like somebody whose dad it's like the buffer brothers you know what i mean it's like, right. uh, like i mean he's like, a driver too that's i mean yeah totally not to not to sell him short of course. lmp2 um, though i mean is he <laughs> oh, <God>. uh, <laughs> wow wow that's it's it's the etc class of endurance racing it's like do you like going real fast but you're not good enough to get with one of the factory teams well uh, i got a series for you yeah they they are good though like i like them they are the f2 and f3 commentary is really good and actually i think um having you know what i like about f2 and f3 as well is that they do often reference the other races in those races and it it it's it's odd almost in f1 that they never do like they hardly ever go refer to anything that happened else on the weekend you can watch f1 for years and never know that there were support races like that's if you, true if you only i kind of like it races. for spoiler reasons but you're right that's like true. it's that's almost true. like they don't yeah. exist yeah well was, yeah they don't yeah i was thinking this morning about because i was reading about like the potential incoming classes in F1 and these conversations we're having every week about like who deserves what, who's better, who's, and it occurs to me now, I think in this era, like in this era, I have never felt less qualified or capable of judging how good drivers are because the field has been so, um, like you can see that Max is like routinely overperforming whatever car he's in, whatever teammate he's got, but like it has just felt like, your car is destiny in this era of F1. And I do like, I am sitting here being like, I need to go back and watch like the last two seasons of formula two to see what these guys are able to do. Like just in a fair fight with a series where racecraft comes into it a little bit more, because if we have like a high turnover uh, in the next year or two, where a lot of these uh, graduates of F2 make their way into F1, um, it's going to be really tough for me to know how good any of them are based on, on track performance, uh, because mm-hmm. that is so hard to read in F1 right now. Hopefully in the next, uh, the next regulations will make that easier. But right now, like if you told me that like Sergio Perez is secretly the greatest driver in F1, yeah. I'd be like, that seems hard to believe, but I'm not sure I could disprove it. Yeah. But maybe, 
Uh, Max Verstappen, I knew he was young. He's 22. Yeah. He's been driving an F1 since he was eight. <laughs> He's Stroll's like 21. Eight. Yeah. And Lando is, of course, uh, 20. Half the age of Kimi Raikkonen, the only uh, driver in the F1 grid born would in take, the 70s. Would you take two Strolls for a, or two Landos for a Kimi? It, in what? Are we we going partying? What's happening? Actually, this is a perfect uh this is a perfect question. Um Thank you, Rob. If we're if we're being serious, uh maybe we weren't. But is Kimmy in decline or did he get a piece of shit car? Both like yeah. It's I think it might be more he got a piece of shit car. Um he has a bad car, but he's also like I don't know, that pit lane stuff last week was that was like, come on. I guess Perez did stuff something too, but yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Soft love. <laughs> yep. Gosh, Sebastian Vettel's younger than me. How old is he? 32? 33. It doesn't do alarming too much into this stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think Hamilton is young. Is Hamilton? He's 35. 35, 35 right. At least is that. He's older than me. I was watching January basketball the other day, and they're 7th. talking about Dwight Howard, that- and they're like, it's his 16th year in the NBA, and he's, boy, wow. put him out to pasture. Don't know how many more years we'll see him uh, around, and I'm like, what was I doing 16 years ago? Uh-oh. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm about to see the last the last players who are my age start to disappear from sports, and uh, yeah. Then you're firmly on your way to middle age. <laughs> I definitely drafted uh, Larry Fitzgerald uh, in my fantasy league just because I knew who he was. <laughs> uh, all right. You can also hit us up at Shift F1 Podcast on Twitter. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That's at Danny O'Dwyer. And that's at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world? It's around the world. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, checking out Gaia. What? <laughs> Did you just watch Final Fantasy The Spirits Within or something? I, no, I didn't. But um, you know who's really good in that? Is uh, Steve Buscemi. Gosh, I forget he voices, he voices a guy in it. The funniest line in the whole movie is in it. He does it. You can watch it now and figure it out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout outs to Ming Na. Uh, World Rally Championship is in Turkey. Uh, Juju Noda and the Dan and Chef 4 squad are in. Oh boy. Ring Jersland for the September lobe. Don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> um, the supercars are at the Bend Motorsports Park for round nine. The IMSA WeatherTech Championship is at Mid-Ohio. Uh, MotoGP. They're back at Circuit de Catalunya, Barcelona for the Grand Prix right. de Catalunya. Uh, if anyone's... If anyone wants to watch MotoGP, has any inclination this season? Oh boy, what a what a ridiculous, <laughs> unpredictable nonsense season! Yes, it's been. really a great a great time to uh, to hop in. Uh, let's see what else we have here. The Motocross Grand Prix is at where is this? The oh, it's in France at Moto Club Ernest. Um, Super Formula. Is at the Okoyama International Circuit. Um, let's see. In M- Mimiyasaka, Okoyama Prefecture. Which prefecture? Oh, thank you. 
And uh, in the NASCAR family, we have Camping World Trucks. That's right. It's still oh technically Gander Outdoors. Wait, does Rob know? Does Rob know? Rob doesn't know. Do you know? Did you hear that? Oh, I looked at the, the doc. Word? I was crushed. Oh. Uh, I saw back. last week's show notes, and I was like, well, this sucks. Now, now I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> uh they're they're back at uh the las vegas motor speedway for the world of westgate 200 what's westgate these violent trucks have violent ends nice that's good that's uh, good westgate resorts <laughs> the the nascar is? infinity in, series uh, is also parks. there uh, for the alsco 300 and your regular old nascar also in oh Las Vegas, Nevada, for the South Point City of Sin, four hundred entertainment capital of the world, and more importantly, America. I hear they're coming to Dakota. NASCAR, are they? Yep, that'd be fun. That's that'd be interesting. Dakota needs something. Everything's going F one this year. At some point, it's a big facility, and they need money. They do. They need it. Uh, Formula Two. Uh, like when we when we hit a thousand backers, we're going to Coda. <laughs> is that the yeah. new Austin? All Austin right. is that what it is? Austin's really suffering. No, no South by Southwest. No Taylor no Swift. Circuit of the Americas. No Taylor Swift. I know all those Airbnbs, man. <laughs> What's going to happen? People are going to have to Tie like. Root up to I don't know. Stop. Stop making. Yeah. Stop making housing affordable again in the city of Austin. Who knows? Half of California's moving there apparently. Let's go get some... Because uh, of the fires. What are they called? Uh, Kolachkis? Kolachis? What's a Kolachki? Do you remember... I think a, a Shift F1 fan brought by some of these Czech... There was like a Czech pastry shop in Austin. This is... Yes, this is... This is I think yes, we've talked about this before. But it's like... It's like a, a sausage wrapped in cheese inside a puffed bun. Like a buttery croissanty oh, bun kind oh of thing. Oh boy, was that at the meetup we did? Uh, maybe. Yeah, a Gibson Street Bar, whatever it is. We 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 had far too many people turned up to that. <laughs> Most of that bar was shipped yeah, like, people. What is, which who is, me, why is this happening? Which, which also like was a wild crowd because we had like giant bomb fans, so you know our sort of like late twenties, early thirties video game hoodie wearing yeah. dude, and then. A bunch of people who were into F1 who didn't have any clue about any of that. <laughs> so, like, we had like it's, parents and grandparents, yeah. and it was just like a real. It's mixed like when bag. your high school awesome. friends meet your college friends. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Yeah, I still hear from people who were at that that weekend. It was fun. It was uh, Formula Two also supporting Formula One this weekend. Uh, but things kick off on Friday, September twenty fifth, at four a.m. Eastern time, mm. so 1 a.m. Oh, Pacific. Oh, uh, that's free practice one on ESPN2, followed by free practice three at uh, 8 a.m. I'm sorry, free practice two uh, at 8 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Uh, then the following day, Saturday, September 26th, we have free practice three at 5 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN The Regular. Uh, then we have qualifying ESPN two. That's at eight a.m. Eastern time, and the race, everyone, Gosh. Sunday, September twenty seventh at seven ten a.m. on ESPN two. The Deuce. 
Eastern time. Yeah. That is Eastern news. I'll be watching that on F1 TV. Yeah, you're going to watch the pit lane? Pit lane cam. Yeah. I think I'm, if ever there was a race, I think uh, mm. I, might, I might do some That's hot swap bold. in there. You know? Yeah. Okay. So cheese like It's either you're going to get a really good race that you want to rewatch in the pit lane or you want a real snore fest, especially if there is Are a Are you channeling Tom Hardy there for a second? Was I, it was almost I, sounded I, like you were. Are you going to a really good race uh, that you're going to. You got really good race that you're gonna you're gonna watch. I was bored and so <laughs> there he goes, there he goes. I was waiting for it. <laughs> uh well, uh final thoughts, Danny O'Dwyer. Um I don't know why my mouth was like butter today. I just couldn't seem to think of the words uh that I wanted to say. So sorry to everyone. I wasn't phoning it in. Today I'm just being a bit of a dum dum and I'll do better next week. The word I was thinking of earlier for five minutes was corruption. You can go back and uh, copy copy me saying corruption now and paste it into an earlier part of the well, podcast. Well, that would just make no sense. And I won't be so yeah. shameful. I hope this race is fun this weekend. It's it's hard to get excited for Sochi, but I am hopeful that it will be a good race. Uh, Danny, I, I understand. Uh, I, this weekend, completely forgot like some airplane stuff and just also looked like a total dum-dum. Uh, so now I'm afraid everyone thinks that uh, I'm a danger to myself <laughs> for not knowing. This is I, I, I'm playing, <laughs> dude. Playing and talking, <laughs> playing video it's games. It's unreal. Your brain just yeah. stops working. You can't think of anything. Can, yeah. It's so bizarre. And we are people. We, all three of us are people who do this. <laughs> done this professionally. So like. it just gets worse when you're doing um, a really technical game, or you're, or it's a really like like, like with flight sim or strategy right. games. I will forget what basic menus do. And I'm like, where do I go to do that? Because now I'm on stream. And so I'm like, well, time to look like a complete idiot. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Time to like click through the wrong menus like 50 times. I was playing Crusader Kings 3 on stream last week. <laughs> and so like good. there's a bar on the right hand side that are like the, the key like half dozen menus you need for the game. And I like people were telling me like, no, go to this one. This is what you need. And I was like, which one is that? Which, oh God, what icon is it? What what icon is it? It's so I yeah, feel the same I, way I about when thoughts. I, when I did the F1 streams, because you just want every lap to be a quality lap. Uh -huh. You know, <laughs> when people are watching, you just want to like nail it. And it's like, you can't do that. It's a. Uh, and the worst is when you go back yeah. and watch that footage, detergent. you're like, oh, it's right there in 72 point font. How did yeah, I miss totally. that? This is why I haven't streamed Spelunky 2 yet, because I'm like, I just won't be able to deal with, like, the obvious. Like, every, like of course, half the people saw the bash that killed me, or the spike yeah. pit, and I From didn't a mile see away. it. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all those fun bonus episodes, you could do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week.